Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. When you, when you look at Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, Jesus really only did three things, if you look at him. What he did was he would preach and teach, he would heal the sick, and he would deliver from demonic power. Those are the three things that Jesus did. Uh, So today, I want to talk to you about praying for the sick. Um, The first thing I want to say this is that, that I have literally studied divine healing for 50 years. And this is what I know, that I don't know everything. Amen. And anybody who thinks they know everything, they just don't know anything much yet. All right. Um, But I I would like to begin today in 2 Chronicles 16, where it's talking about Asa. Now it says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet and his madly was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. As a believer, let me just say this. God says, my name is I am the Lord who heals you. Or some times translated, I'm the Lord, your physician. The first place we should go is to the Lord. Notice it says he sought the physicians and not the Lord. It's not that it's wrong to go to a doctor. The Bible talks about Luke and it calls him the beloved physician. In the book of Proverbs, it says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. So if you're taking medication, just take it in Jesus' name. It'll do twice as much good. Right? So, so the Bible is not saying don't avoid medical science. It's just saying go to God first. Right? He is the Lord who heals you. Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 16, we, we find the apostle Paul. Uh, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit as he writes this. This is literally God-breathed, right? and he is going he is writing here and praying a prayer that literally Christians are going to be praying and reading for millennia. There are going to be billions of people that are going to pray this prayer and read this prayer. Now, if we were to ask most Christians today, uh, we want you to pray a prayer right, for, for the church and that people are going to be praying for thousands of years. There are going to be billions of people going to pray this prayer. We would pray something like, God bless them. God deliver them. God help them. God give them everything they need. Right? Now, it's interesting that Paul does not do anything like that. Right? If I, I'd like to read some of this prayer and, and just unpack it a minute. In the 16th verse of the first chapter, it says, I don't cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what he wants us to have is he wants us to know what we have in him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened or being flooded with light, that you may know the hope of his calling, what is God's purpose for your life, And that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches 
of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So he doesn't say God give them something. He says God show them what they have. He says, what are the riches of the glory of their inheritance? He's saying Jesus died and left them an inheritance and they need to know what that is. What are? Now, he goes on in the next line and he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now, Paul does not say, God, we need to get you to do something. He says, Christians, we need to pray that God will show us what we already have. What most of us are trying to do is get God to do something. But the truth is, God did everything that you and I need in Christ. The, the, in, the apostle Peter wrote, and, and he said that he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not God's going to do it. He has done it. So Paul's prayer is that we will see what God has already done, done for us. What are the riches? What is the exceeding greatness? So we need to recognize we're not trying to get God to do something. What we need is we need revelation of what God has already done. Because everything you, you and I receive from God, you receive by faith. How many know you were saved by faith? Right? By grace through faith. And in Colossians, it says, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, the way you got saved is the way you're going to receive everything you receive from God. It is by faith. And faith is dependent on knowledge. You cannot have faith for what you do not know. Right? So you, we have to find out what is it that we have in Christ. So in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 13, it says he, this is God the Father, has delivered us from the power of darkness or the kingdom of darkness and conveyed us, or one translation says translated us. Uh, what, what, what is that? Was that Star Trek? How many of you ever seen, you know, beam me up? It's like literally they're, they're getting translated and that is literally what it's saying here, all right? He's conveyed us. He has translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So he's taken you out of the kingdom of darkness, out of Satan's kingdom, out from under his domain. Anything that is part of Satan's kingdom, if it's in your life, is trespassing. It does not belong there because you've been taken out of that kingdom. And he's put you into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, if you go home today and you walk in the door of your house and there are 10 rattlesnakes there, here's what you should not do. Oh, praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome. Right? What you should do is get a rake and beat the snot out of them. <laughs> right? You need to resist those rattlesnakes. So, First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse nine, resist him steadfast in the faith. See, you don't 
receive the things that Satan's kingdom brings into your life. You resist the things, right? In James, it says, submit to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Unfortunately, many Christians live decades at a time and never resist any of the works of Satan. They just, well, whatever, whatever comes, you know, it just must be God's will. Well, Jesus didn't believe that. Acts 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Every person Jesus healed, it didn't say God made them sick. It said they're oppressed of the devil. Now, that does not mean it was a demon. It simply means that when Adam and Eve sinned and bowed their knee to Satan, Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. Death, sickness, disease, war, pestilence, prejudice, Every wicked thing that you can think of, it came in when Adam and Eve let Satan and demon power in. Right? That's all that it's saying, that Jesus healed those who were oppressed of the devil. But what I want you to understand is it didn't say that, they, that God had sent, the, sent that sickness. You see, if God had sent the sickness and Jesus was healing, they'd be working against each other. It would be a kingdom divided against itself. And Jesus said that kingdom could not stand. All right? So the people that Jesus healed, the Bible says, ultimately, they were oppressed by the devil. And by the way, sickness is not one time in the Bible called a blessing. In Deuteronomy 28, it's called a curse. Right? In the chapter of Job, Job chapter 42, it's called captivity. In Luke 13, Jesus called it bondage, right? And here it's called oppression. It's never called a blessing, right? In fact, it is actually part of the curse. So in Isaiah 53, this Isaiah the prophet is writing 700 years before Jesus is born. And in the best way I can describe this is, is he's like he's looking down a prophetic telescope. And he literally sees Jesus go to the cross. And he says, surely our sicknesses he bore. In our pains, he hath carried them. In verse 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his bruises, there is healing to us. Lester's translation says, but only our diseases did he bear himself. In our pains, he carried through his bruises was healing granted to us. The King James simply says, by whose stripes we are healed. Moffat's, the blows that fell on him bought, purchased healing for us. We need to realize that healing belongs to us. In the old covenant, in Psalms 103, David called this one of the benefits he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. In the New Testament, these things are referred to as your inheritance. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all. How many? All of your diseases. That's your inheritance. That's what belongs to you, right? But just like the children of Israel come to the promised land and God said, I've given it to you. But there's still giants, there's still walled cities, there's still seven nations. 
They had to go in and dispossess the enemy and take possession. That's a picture of a victorious Christian life. God says, I'm healing. It be- I purchased it for you. It belongs to you. But you and I need to go in and dispossess the enemy. We have to resist him. In Psalms 103, the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. Um, they've just partaken of the Passover lamb. They've, they've uh, killed the lamb. They've put the blood uh, on the doorposts of their house. They've roasted that lamb and they eat the lamb and they're going out of Egypt. In Psalms 105, this is what it says. It says, he brought them forth with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Other translations say it this way. And all of them were healthy and strong. Now get this. All of them are healthy and strong. There's 2 million people. And all of them are healthy and all of them are strong. Look, you cannot get six Christians together and not have four of them that need prayer. But here, everybody's strong. In fact, another Satan. There was not one sick person among their tribes. Jubilee translation. Another translation. For there was not one feeble person among his tribes. So, so they ate the Passover lamb. That's Jesus, a type of Jesus. In fact, in Corinthians, it says Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So they partake of a type of Jesus. And when they did, healing came to them. Now, if there is healing in a type, how much more is there not healing in the reality? And the fact the Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed. In John, the the fourth chapter, uh, the 46th verse, we find an instance of, 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 of healing that I wanted to just unpack a little bit. It says, so Jesus came to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water to wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, unless this people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, what most people think is faith is not faith. Right? I'll say that again. Most people think that faith is something it is not. They will say, if Jesus, if Jesus would just appear, if Jesus would just reach out and touch me, I know I'd be healed. And we think, oh, what great faith they have. No, the Bible says that's not faith. I'm going to say that again. The Bible says that is not faith. Listen, Romans chapter 10. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above? So faith does not say, I need Jesus to come and touch me. That's not what faith says. That's what doubt and unbelief says. In fact, it goes on, or or who will ascend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from above. But what does faith say? Faith says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Even the word of faith, which we preach. So in 1 John chapter 3 in verse 23, 
we find the commandment that we're given in the New Testament. And, and if we ask Christians and we say, uh, what is his commandment? This is what they're going to say. They're going to say that we love one another. How many would agree with that? You get 50%. Because there's one commandment with two parts. Right? And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. In other words, this is what this is saying. This is saying we don't need Jesus to physically come because we can use the name of Jesus. And believing in the name of Jesus, that it has the exact same authority as Jesus' physical presence, that's faith. Right? Where you don't demand a, a vision of Jesus, but you use the name of Jesus, which we have been given. And then verse 49, the nobleman said unto him, sir, come down ere my child die. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son live. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And I want to just say something. The Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God speaking to you. Psalms 103, he forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. That's God speaking to you and to me. That belongs to us. And he went his way. Right? And as he was now coming down, his servant met him and told him, saying, your son lives. And he inquired at what hour he began to amend. And they said unto him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever let him, left him. And the father knew that was the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, your sin lives. And he believed with all his house. Now, notice this is, well, the Bible puts it this way. This is, this is the second miracle that Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. That's verse 54. It's a miracle, but it wasn't instantaneous. Right? The man said, what hour did he begin to amend? Now, there are definitely miracles of healing that are instantaneous. But what we find here, the first miracle was turning water to wine. This is the first healing, right? And it's not instantaneous. He begins to amend. Jesus said in Mark 16, he says, these signs will follow them that believe in my name, right? The list begins with, they will cast out demons and it ends with, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? I mean, that's a process. Recovering is a process. James chapter five, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And if he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Now notice it, it says, and the Lord will raise him up. Again, it's a process. It's not instantaneous. Sometimes they are instantaneous. But if it's not instantaneous, that does not mean you didn't receive. That means you begin to amend. Right? Now, I want to cover two more points really fast. Number one is this, that Jesus is perfect theology. Right? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 that he is the express image of his person. Another translation, the exact representation of God's nature. Right? Jesus is a mirror image of God the Father. And if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That is what God's like. So in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1, a leper comes to Jesus 
and says to him, Jesus, I know you can heal me if you want to. I just don't know if you want to. And Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him and says, of course I will. Of course I will. And immediately he's healed. Right? You wonder what God's like? You say, God, I know you can heal me. I don't know if you want to. God's answer is, of course I will. Now, Galatians 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us. That literally means he bought us back. He purchased us. Peter said he purchased us with his blood. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You say, why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross to redeem you from the curse of the law. Right? Now, many of us don't even know what that curse is. We, we ought to find out because you're redeemed from it. Way. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Right? So I'm going to give you just some of the things that are written in the curse. These are things you are redeemed from. Vexation, rash, Caesars, confusion, panic, and dysentery. Verse 21, pestilences that can't cling to you from which you cannot be healed. Incurable diseases, consumption, fever, and infections. Verse 27, boils, hemorrhoids, incurable itches, senility, insanity, blindness, fear, panic, tumor, ulcers. <clears throat> One translation mentions the botch and emrods. I don't know what they are, but I don't want them. All right? And you are redeemed from them. Right? You're redeemed from being unable to find your way so that you cannot be a success in life. Verse 35, from boils, from the head to foot, from malignant and incurable sores, right? from generational perpetual plagues that not that pass from generation to generation, from your children or from you to your children, from your parents to you. It says you're redeemed from them. No, there's just some, but just in case your sickness did not get mentioned. Also, every sickness and every plague, which are not written in the book of the law. So it's all of them that are mentioned and all of them that are not mentioned. And Jesus went to the cross to redeem you from every one of those. They do not belong in your life. They don't belong in your body. They don't belong in your family. And if you're a believer, they're trespassing. Right? And you need to put up a no trespassing sign. And you need to tell the enemy, hey, take your goods and go. You don't belong here. I belong to Jesus. He purchased me with his blood. He put me in his kingdom. And I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love. And no sickness written and no sickness not written belongs in my body. That's you. That's you. Yeah. Remember, faith is dependent on knowledge. Right? But there is enough power in one verse, in one verse, to bring healing from anything into your life, to bring deliverance from anything 
in your life. God's word is alive and it is powerful, right? It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It can cut anything out, right? And bring healing and health and victory and peace into your life. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And as we mentioned uh, last week, we're going to pray for the sick this morning. So if you've come this morning and you say, Pastor, I would like to receive prayer. What we want to do is we want to obey Mark chapter 16, which says, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you'd like prayer this morning, whether you're in the balcony, wherever you are, I want to invite you to come on down here, make your way down. And I'm going to give a little bit of explanation on uh, what's going to happen. All right. We're going to do a general prayer, and then I'm just going to go by in an obedience to Mark 16. I'm just going to lay hands on each and each person. All right. Now, some people will cry. All right. Somebody might shake. Somebody might just stand super, super still. Right? Somebody might fall. Uh, in the Old Testament, when the priest went into the temple and the power of God descended, the Bible says they could not stand. When they came to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am he. And the Bible says all of them fell over backwards. The power of God hit them. Now, by the way, it was a cohort of Roman soldiers, which is over 600 soldiers. They all fell backwards. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is praying, and the Bible says he falls into a trance. Right? When somebody falls, the, the, the New Testament technology would actually be that you fall into a trance. All right? um, sometimes I'll feel led to blow on a person, and somebody said, why do you do that? Um, because that's what Jesus did. When uh, Jesus arose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples, and he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's simply a way to release the Holy Spirit, the power of God, into a person's life, right? So I just wanted you to know that. For some people, it can be totally new, and they're like, whoa, what's going on? All right. So I'm going to ask everybody to extend your hand, and we're going to pray a general prayer. I just want you to be in agreement with this prayer, right? You don't need to pray out loud, but I want you to be in agreement with this. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord, our physician that you told us that you forgive all of our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. That Jesus himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains and by his stripes, healing was purchased for us. Lord, and we come today and we grab hold of what Jesus purchased for us. We grab hold of healing, of health, and deliverance. And we thank you that you have translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love. And every sickness, every disease is trespassing on God's property. And we speak to sickness and disease and we bind you in Jesus' name. We tell you, go in the name of Jesus. Loose God's people. And we loose the healing power of God to flow into their bodies from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. 
come, come, bring your kingdom into every life, every body, every heart. We thank you, Lord, for health, for healing, for soundness from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. In Jesus' name, we curse cancer in Jesus' name. We command you to die. We say arthritis, go from everybody in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.